Turn with me, please, to the book of the Song of Solomon. Yeah, I can't go in with the prophets. Hopefully, I can't go in with the martyrs. <laughs> Although some of the countries that I'm getting into, I never know. Brother Eubanks told me before he left for Africa the last time, before he got COVID and died, he said, pray for me. He said, I'd like to get a martyr's crown. He said, but pray that it's swift and painless. <laughs> well, he died in Africa from COVID. I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> uh, pray that it's swift and painless. I'm in chapter six, the Song of Solomon. I'll read one verse. <coughs> kind of an obscure verse. Verse 12. Or ever I was aware, my soul made me like the chariots of Amenadid. You ever heard a sermon on that? <laughs> I don't know how I come up with some of the stuff I come up with. <laughs> but uh, I'll blame the Lord. How'll that be? <laughs> Sometimes he starts speaking to me and I'm thinking, I'm not sure this is going to work. And he'll just keep speaking and I'll just keep scribbling stuff down. And somehow, by the grace of God, he's sometimes just pull it together. Preach on the chariots of Amenadib. This name's only found one time in your King James Bible spelled like this. It's found three times as Amenadab. With an A instead of an I. I tend to go by the philosophy that things that are different are not the same. But all the commentators say it's the same guy. So you know what I think about that? Who cares? <laughs> I'll let you study it to the nth degree. Find you some deep well of knowledge. But the word amenadib means my unselfish people. God has some unselfish people who would rather suffer loss than for somebody else to be hurt. They're rare, but my, are they a blessing. They'd rather be taken advantage of than to risk being the one that it said about them that they took advantage of somebody else. They'd rather suffer loss of their own resources 
than to risk being a bad testimony. Unselfish people. I believe that a ride in a Minadib's chariot must have been a great experience. Else, why would it even be in the Bible? You know, Jehu is one of my favorite guys in the Bible because he drove his chariot furiously. I long to be like Jehu when I drive. I was pulled over about a week ago. I don't remember now if I was going to church or if I was coming home from church. And I mean, I had, a, I had a streak going. I had a record going of no speeding tickets in several years. It was a record for me. And uh, I was fellowshipping with my wife, you know, just enjoying, having a good time. And this guy just... Flips his car around right in front of me, turns on his lights. And she said, there's your friend. I said, he ain't no friend of mine. <laughs> he came up on the, her side of the vehicle, which is a little unusual. Usually they come you know, on the driver's side. He came up on her side. and said, I stopped you because you're going 62 and a 45. I said, hmm, that's not good. <laughs> and he started talking. And, uh, you know, I'm always looking for an opening. <laughs> to say something to try to get out of this. He never gave me an opening. He just kept talking, kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. And he wanted, you know, my proof of insurance. Well, I was in my son's Suburban. Well, I wonder where he put the insurance card. I'm pulling the sun visor down. I'm looking in the pocket on the doors. My wife's looking in the glove box. And he said, you're supposed to have proof of insurance. I said, yes, sir. We're looking. <laughs> <laughs> We never did find it. I don't know where it's at. He said, well, I can go back to my car and look on the computer and I can tell if you have insurance or not. I already knew that too. So I was wondering why he was allowing us to search the vehicle like we were. And all he had to do was look on his computer in his car and uh, we didn't have one of those computers in our vehicle. <laughs> and uh, he goes back to his car and he comes back and he said, yeah, I found your insurance. You got insurance. It's current. He said, uh, just slow down and have a good day, sir. I was speechless. I was already making plans for taking, you know, defensive driving, which is what you do if you, you know, want to keep it off your record. 
off your driving record. I didn't want to ruin my streak. <laughs> and this guy just thrilled me when he said, slow down and have a good day, sir. I said, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. He went back to his car. I went on, I was only about two miles from my house. I went on home. My wife said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. She said, why does God do that for you? <laughs> she's seen similar things happen. We've been married 49 years. I'm guessing she's seen that happen 25 times. I said, because God loves Jehu. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it must have been quite an experience to ride in the chariot of Amenadeb. I think about Harley-Davidson riders, how they talk about being on the open road, the wind in their face, their hair blowing in the wind, <laughs> traveling across the country, just enjoying the trip and the scenery and the wind in their face and the bugs on their teeth. A ride in Amenadib's chariot was no doubt a memorable experience because it would be swift and sensational, sensory, feel the wind, hear the hooves of the horse pulling the chariot. When I was a little boy, my parents took me to see Ben-Hur. You know, Ben-Hur was written by Lou Wallace, who was an atheist. Until he started studying the life of Christ to prove that he was not the Messiah. And the more he studied, the more he decided he really was the Messiah. And he got born again, saved by the grace of God, and wrote the book, Ben-Hur, that they made the movie from. And I still remember as a boy that chariot race at the end of that movie. Man, it was exciting. I went home and I started trying to figure out how to build me a chariot because I already had a horse. <laughs> All I needed was figure out, okay, what do we got around here I can get the wheels off of and build me a chariot and hook it up to this horse and ride around the farm, amen, with a wind blowing in my face and maybe, maybe bumping my chariot into somebody else's chariot, knocking a wheel off of their chariot. Anybody else watch Ben-Hur? Mm, am I telling it like it was? I'm talking about the thrill of Amenadib's chariot. Man, to have lived in those days, went to war in a chariot. Egypt had a lot of those, but they didn't swim very good. <laughs> But to see the landscape rushing by, feel the wind in your face, 
and to be carried away with the thrill of Amenadib's chariot. I read this verse and I thought about wonder what it would be like riding in his chariot and being thrilled with the experience. And I thought about the thrill of being born again. Does anybody in here remember when you got saved by the grace of God and you was carrying that load of sin that Paul Bunyan, or John Bunyan, Paul Bunyan, John Bunyan said, I got to the foot of the cross and the burden rolled off of my back and it rolled down the hill and I could not find it again. The thrill of your sins being gone once and for all forever. I still remember that March 1971, Dorm 8, Texas A&M University, first floor room on the right-hand side of the water fountain. My friend Steve Walker was in that room. And I got born again in a military dorm and only found one other guy in the next three and a half years that was saved enough that he wanted to pray and read the Bible with somebody. Four story dormitory. Only one other guy interested in praying and reading. We'd meet together at five o'clock every morning and pray and read the Bible before we started our drills that we did every day going to the chow hall. The thrill of hearing the truth when the world had been giving you so many lies. And to be convinced of the truth that God loved me even though I was a sinner. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. To hear the truth, be convinced of the truth, and then by the grace of God, believe the truth. Yes. That he would love me enough to forgive me and cleanse me and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I feel the wind in my yeah. face. Yes, sir. To receive the truth and to rejoice in it. Is salvation emotional? It was for me. I'm not saying it is for everybody. But I really don't understand those that didn't get some kind of emotional Amen. when they got forgiven Amen. and born into the family of God. You might not have cried. I blubbered like a baby when I got born again. I mean, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't stop crying. It was so good. It was a thrill, amen, of being saved and forgiven and knowing that it was well with my soul. Amen after all that I had done for the last few years. Emotionalism about salvation is a good thing. They were up here singing tonight. If you didn't get some emotion from that song, you are twice dead and plucked up by the roots. 
faith should occasionally flash into the thrill of ecstasy. Occasionally, you ought to just get the cane hippies. It's so good. What a better place to express it than the house of God who loved us and gave His only begotten Son for us on a cruel death on Calvary's cross. Oh, that He would love you that much. It ought to stir something down in your heart. The thrill of salvation. And then there's a thrill of service. To have the privilege to serve God. There is nothing like it. God will give you some thrilling stories that are right up there with a Minadib's chariot. I could tell you stories all night long that God has thrilled my soul with. I'll tell you one brief one. One of my little boys one time, we were getting ready, fixing to drive from Houston to Chattanooga, Tennessee for a meeting. My little boy was about five years old. We were packing suitcases and I was loading them in the car. And he had a little pocket knife, you know, that I'd given him. It was in a dresser drawer. He wasn't carrying it because I was afraid he'd lose it. And he got a knot in his shoelace and he went and got that pocket knife to get that knot out of his shoelace and he was sitting in a chair and then he was pulling on that thing pulling on it and it slipped and went right dead center in his right eye fourth of July my wife called our doctor And she said, uh, well, first we called the nearest hospital to us. And they said, oh, it's 4th of July. If he's got a puncture wound in his eye, there's nothing we can do today. Uh, thank you, click. What do you mean nothing you can do today? For a little boy with a punctured eye. So she called our regular doctor, the lady. And she said, uh, you bring him to such and such hospital. I will have an eye surgeon waiting for you when you get there. So we get on the freeway and we're heading to this hospital, but everybody's got fireworks displays going on and cars are parked even on the freeway so they can see the fireworks. And I'm trying to wind my way through all this traffic with this little boy with a punctured eye. I had prayed before we left the house and I was looking in the Song of Solomon and I was kind of desperate to hear from God. Do you know what that's like? Something you can't do anything about and you need to hear something from God. I I opened my Bible, it fell open to the Song of Solomon and these words jumped off the page at me Dove's eyes. I said, eyes. Plural. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm not saying that's the way you're supposed to do it. I'm just telling you what happened. I got some peace in my heart from the Bible, from the plural word eyes. That means more than one. So in my heart, I believed he was not going to be down to one eye. We're on the freeway, and I'm thinking time is probably of the essence because that gel is leaking out of his eyeball. Or whatever they call it. We eventually get through there, get to the hospital, and they take him in. The surgeon operates on him. And uh, my wife said, uh, Doctor, what do you think? Will he, have, will he ever be able to see in that eye? Well, I don't have any confidence of that, but I'm going to do my best. Sew it up, and uh, then it'll just be up to healing and seeing what happens. And I told my wife, I said, dove's eyes. She said, what? I said, dove's eyes. The Bible said dove's eyes. They sewed him up. He healed up a few days. They had a, you know, a thing over that eye. Keep it clean. Took that patch off. I said, how many fingers am I holding up? Uh, that'd be two, Dad. I'm talking about the thrill of serving God who would so love us that he would be concerned about a little boy that maybe just got careless or maybe just, just could happen to anybody. He's pulling, it slips, and he sticks that thing in his eye. And God, in his amazing grace, that boy is now 46 years old. And he can still see out of that eye. Amen. I'm talking about thrilling stories. That might not thrill you, but I can tell it. And I can tell you, it's still thrilling to me. There have been some other troubles and suffering since then. But that still comforts me. It still thrills me. That God cared about that little five-year-old boy's eyeball that not even the doctor had any confidence he could ever see out of it again. And over 40 years later, he's still seeing out of that eye. There's thrilling stories when you serve God. I can tell you stories about Romania, Ukraine, have already told you some. If you want to get some thrilling rides in a Minidib's chariot, just go to a mission field anywhere in the world. And God will give you some amazing experiences and stories. Some of them are frightening, some of them are thrilling. Some of them are, you don't even know what they are. It's just unusual. 
But if you want to have some thrills in a Minidib's chariot, you're going to have to be willing to step up in there and say, Yeah! Let's go. Notice in our text that the Bible says, or ever I was aware, my soul made me like the chariots of Amenadib. Now the soul is the seat of emotions. You can't depend on your, your emotions, but it sure is good to have some. It's the seat of emotions and feelings. And this thrill can reach deep down into your soul. And he said, My soul made me like the chariots of Amenadib. So when the wind of the Spirit of God gets to blowing in a service or in your soul, He's just making you long for the emotion, the thrill, the excitement of this unselfish life that is the Christian life of his unselfish people. We tend to be selfish by nature, but as with most things in the Bible, things don't work like we think they work. And the thing that really thrills you is when you learn the secret of being unselfish and you die to yourself so others can live under Christ. Amen. Going to the field, winning some little boy, some little girl in a vacation Bible school, watching them get on their knees and ask Jesus to save their soul. And one of these days get to see that child that's grown up come marching into glory when the saints come marching in. I'm telling you, it's going to be a ride in the Minidib's chariot. It's going to be a thrill when you see that happen. He made me long for the thrill of the unselfish life. Sometimes you'll just be reading your Bible. You know, you may read it 30 days in a row and never, never get a thrill. And then you're reading it one day and it's like, what does that say? Yeah. My soul made me like it. My soul made me like it. Something down in my soul is just giving me a blessing out of this right here. Oh, I'm talking about Bible reading can seem boring until the wind starts blowing. That wind of the Spirit of God will start blowing and suddenly this book comes alive and it starts speaking to your heart and it starts blessing you and giving you direction and guidance for maybe some trouble that you are going through or some suffering you're going through and God can give you a ride in a Minidib's chariot through just reading the Bible. Or, maybe you just get into your prayer time. And, you know, prayer time, I, I really admire people that every time they have a prayer time, God meets with them and their soul gets thrilled. 
That's not me very often. Can anybody relate? Can somebody help me out and say, yeah, preacher, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, thank you for those three hands. <laughs> All three of us should really feel miserable right now. That we're the only ones that have ever experienced that. The rest of you, are your arms broke? <laughs> well, I don't respond to anything a preacher says like that. Yeah, have a nice day. Prayer time. And that breeze from that other world blows on your soul. And you're thinking, I believe God is in here in this room with me while I'm praying. That's a ride in Amenadib's chariot. Don't miss that ride. It's a thrill. I don't care if you've got to pray 10 years to get one ride. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. And one of these days, that chariot's going to roll by and pick you up. And you're going to say, this is a memorable experience right here. It can happen in public worship. You go to the house of God. I, you know, I'm sitting over there thinking about this, and they got up there and sing, singing that song a while ago. But I can go in with these. Amen. Meet me and Brother Brandon, about the only ones that was, yeah, 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 we's getting wound up. He said, well, we're just not like that. What's wrong with you? Get like that. Get in the chat. I guarantee you, some guy rolled up out here after the service with a chariot. He's got a Roman helmet on. His horse has got all this armor on. He's got a whip. He rolls up. Anybody want to go for a ride? Somebody would run out there and say, Huh? Yeah, you'd be ready for a ride. And when you got back, you'd be telling somebody about it. You'd get excited about it. I think some of y'all get excited in the rickshaw race. I know you can get excited. You can sit there and act like you don't ever get excited if you want to, amen. But I was watching. They were straining to hear what their time was. <laughs> and then they'd high five each other. Huh? Yeah, yeah you poor, unemotional Canadians are high fiving over a rickshaw race. <laughs> but the preacher gets up, uh, the singers get up and sing about. Going to heaven because we're sinners saved by grace. <laughs> You're not going to make me smile. You're not going to make me raise my hand. I don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes people get to singing and you get to feeling that breeze in your soul and you get to thinking about how good God's been to you through the sufferings and the heartaches and the affliction and the pain and there ought to be something down in your soul the seed of your emotions and feelings that says, God's been good to me. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Oh, yeah. 
public worship, singing, preaching. Preaching ought to fire you up once in a while. I mean, it ought to just do something for you. It ought to fire you up a little bit once in a while. It ought to get you emotional and excited. Giving ought to get you excited. Oh, we took up that $64,000 offering when the war broke out in Ukraine because we was going to start trying to take care of all those refugees. And on a Sunday night service, we just, I just said, we, we need to take up an offering. We, we got to buy some food and medicine. We got to rent some vans. We got to hire some drivers. And we need to start tomorrow. They started raising their hand. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. It was over $64,000 that came in on a Sunday night. We just, amen, we just called Romania, said go find the vans, we got the money, it's on the way. Man, what a chariot ride that was. We're still riding that chariot. I'm talking about the thrill of giving. Some people just never have found the joy and the thrill of having an offering to give and being thankful that they even have it to give and that they have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. I'm telling you, if you don't get in on giving to missions, you are missing out. You are missing out. Give to missions so the gospel can go to the regions beyond and we'll watch them come in from all over the world, every nation and, and every tongue and every tribe, amen, as the saints come marching in and we got the thrill of giving and then we're going to get the thrill of watching them come to heaven. The thrill of having a little unction when you preach. Now, I've preached dead stuff before. But it sure is good when the wind just blows a little bit. Amen. And you're thinking, I'm in the chariot tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It sure is more fun to preach in the chariot than it is in the coffin. Yes, there is a difference even preaching the Bible with unction and without unction. It's still the Bible both times. But it's not the same. You say, how do you tell the difference? Ask the people you're preaching to. They know. Or, if you're really a glutton for punishment, ask your wife. She knows. She's endured those dead ones. You know you're in trouble when you have to ask her on the way home. What'd you think this morning? And she says, if you're asking, you know what I think. <laughs> You know, sometimes you can just be sitting around before service, after service, you're sitting at the table, maybe you've had a meal, and you're just fellowshipping. 
You're just fellowshipping with somebody. You're just talking. You may be laughing. You may be cutting up. You may be serious. You may not be serious. You may just be having a good time. But the next thing you know, you're talking to somebody, fellowshipping with them, and there's just a little breeze comes from that other world. And you're thinking, man, I sure am enjoying fellowshipping with this brother or sister. I'm in a dibs chair. Notice again in our text the suddenness. Or ever I was aware. Or in other words, all of a sudden, before I realized it, I wasn't in the chariot. I couldn't feel the wind. And then, or ever I was aware. I was in the chariot and I felt the wind. The suddenness. Kind of like Acts 2.2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Or ever they were aware. Boom. Here came the Holy Ghost. And things did start changing when he showed up. You know, children love surprises. I guess everybody's played peekaboo with a baby. Peekaboo, and they'll just smile. Peekaboo, and they'll just smile again. How long will they do that? They will smile and giggle and laugh as long as you'll just keep doing that. They love surprises. And God loves to surprise his children. You know, they're sitting in church. God says, peekaboo. Here. Where'd he go? Peekaboo. Woo! Do you even understand what I'm talking about? God loves to surprise his children for what? To watch their excitement when they get thrilled. With his face in his presence. He wants you to get thrilled when he shows up. He does not want you when he goes peekaboo and you'll. <laughs> Dad, how would you feel if you were doing that with your baby? And the baby's just kind of looking around, rolling his eyes. Huh, here we go again. I guess dad thinks this is funny. I guess he thinks I enjoy this. A baby has more sense than most Christians. Seekers for God's face and God's presence. Love those surprise rides in Amenadib's chariot. 
when he just pulls up there and says, hey, you want to ride? Yep, I'm in. Amen. Can I drive? <laughs> no, I'll drive. You just get in. Okay. Crack the whip. Let's go. Pow. Here we go. Paul was caught up into the third heaven. That had to be quite a ride. I mean, he had to feel some wind in his face. He had to have some excitement down in his soul. He said, there's some things I heard up there that I can't even utter. Enoch was not I mean, he was, and then he was not. You say he was not what? Well, he was not dead. <laughs> he was not lost. Now, it said they couldn't find him, but he was not lost. And he was not found. He just was not. And he was not disappointed with the ride. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you're even going to get excited at the rapture. Are you kidding me? Is that all you got? Elijah, a chariot of fire. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. A chariot of fire. I mean, I think that even puts a Minidab's chariot to shame. Gets in this chariot of fire, and I mean... Enoch didn't die, and neither did Elijah. There's probably some significance to that, because it's appointed unto man once to die. But time's not up yet. Let me go back to my text, and I'll wrap it up. Chapter 6. Where are we going to go to get this chariot ride? Where are we going to go? Would you like to ride in Minadib's chariot? Mm -hmm. Feel the excitement? Yes. Have your soul thrilled? Amen. Look at verse 11, the verse before my text. I went down into the garden of nuts. <laughs> You know why you can't get a blessing? You are scared to death that somebody is going to think you're a nut. But it's the only place where Amenadib parks his chariot. He's in the garden of nuts. 
You know what Brother Wood used to say? He said, the people that God used the most are about a half a bubble off. <laughs> he said, because they don't care what anybody thinks about them. Normal people are always worrying about what somebody's going to think about me if I raise my hand or if I clap my hands or if I cry or if I shout, Woo, glory to God, glory, glory, hallelujah. I got something I do a lot of times. I'm not going to do it to you. But I'll go to a lot of churches and I'm preaching something like this and I'll say, okay, we're going to practice shouting. <laughs> and I'll say, on three, everybody in here is going to stand up, throw both hands in the air and say, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah. And you can see the blood draining out of people's face. <laughs> and they're sitting there thinking, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I'm not going to embarrass you. Come on, preacher, do it. <laughs> okay, take, we'll take a Baptist vote. How'll that be? <laughs> I'll explain to you that the majority are wrong. <laughs> Maybe it would be a good time to prove that. Yeah, if it embarrasses you to praise the Lord, you got a serious problem. If it embarrasses you to praise the Lord, it's probably going to embarrass you to hold a scripture sign. It's probably going to embarrass you to hand out a gospel tract. It's probably going to embarrass you to bow your head and ask God to bless the meal in a restaurant. You're just going to be embarrassed a whole lot. But if you ever get to the place where the chariot ride is just worth it, here we go. Let's just do this and have a good time in the Lord. It is life changing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. The thrill of a ride in Amenadib's chariot. I pray that you experience that before the rapture or before you die. Because I'm telling you, I grew up in a church, a little country church, that they talked about the old shouters that used to be in the church. But nobody did it in my lifetime. I never heard one of those old saints shout and praise the Lord the first 18 years of my life. And I went to church every Sunday and every revival and all the old shouters were dead. Now they'd talk about them when they'd have a testimony. I remember Sister So-and-so saying that when she got saved, 
She always said, I'm never going to shout like my mama did. But when I got saved, I shouted just like my mama always had. And everybody would just cry and rejoice. So I heard testimonies about it. But I never heard anybody do it. Till, till years later, after I got saved and got in the Independent Baptist Church, where people just didn't care what people think. Amen. Because God had been so good to them to save their never dying soul and keep Amen. them out of hell. They were not ashamed to cry. They were not ashamed to worship. They were not ashamed to praise the Lord. And I'm not trying to talk you into anything that God doesn't want you to do. But I am trying to talk you into it. If it's bubbling up on you, you, you need to quit suppressing it. Amen. Amen. Just quit suppressing it. Right. If you, you really want to raise your hand, don't worry about what somebody's going to think about you doing that. Just worship God and praise Him. The Bible does say something about lifting up holy hands. You know how you can tell who's worshiping God in spirit and in truth and who's doing it in the flesh? You can tell by the way they raise their hands. Can I prove that to you? Here's how selfish, carnal people raise their hands to worship themselves. They're reflecting all the glory onto their own face and head. True worshipers turn their palms towards heaven and reflect the glory back to God, not on themselves. Father, I pray you bless the message tonight. I pray you'd encourage somebody. It may have been a long time since they've had a chariot ride and felt the thrill. And I pray, Father, that you'd touch their hearts tonight. Let the breeze of heaven blow in their face. Maybe tomorrow when they're reading their Bible, maybe tonight when they're praying, maybe right here in this service you could just send a breeze through here. And Lord, help people to just bow before you and worship you and love you and thank you and praise you for your forgiveness, your cleansing, your saving us, your taking us to heaven when we die. Lord, give somebody a little breeze from that other world and help them to hop up in that chariot and say, let's go. If they're going to look miserable all the time, who's going to want what they've got? And I pray, Father, you'd encourage them tonight and give them comfort in their troubles and their sufferings and their heartaches and pain and affliction by giving them a little breeze from that other world so they can have the thrill of a Minadib's chariot ride to ease their pain for a little while and comfort their hearts and thrill their soul of being God's child. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.